Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. According to my calculations, since the first summer of this church, that would be July of 2007, if my calculations are correct, you have heard 58 sermons on the subject of Sabbath. Every Sunday in every July since the beginning of our church, which was birthed in September of 2006, so the very first summer, we found ourselves exhausted. We just completed our first vacation Bible school with a total of about 35 volunteers, if, if that. I, I, I'm, I may be exaggerating that a little bit. Our, our church was much smaller. And um, we had been going hard since September with community events, our family fest, and, and then, you know, egg hunt, and then going right into vacation Bible school and, and just trying to grow and build a church. And, and we were just exhausted, and I felt God leading us into a time of rest. Our church needed it. The, the volunteers that we had, they were exhausted, they were tired, and so I felt God say, Rocky, take the church into a time of rest. And so every July since then, we've experienced what we call the DCC Sabbath. And we still meet on Sundays, obviously, and, and uh, every, every Sunday during the, months of July, or during the month of July every year, I, I preach the subject of Sabbath. And so that means year-round I'm having to, to study Sabbath. Every book I can get my hands on about the subject of Sabbath and, and trust me, there's some books that I've read, and I think they're, they're the biggest just hoax, and I, I don't teach you that. But it has been a subject that I have, have been passionate about because I know my own life, and I've struggled through the years, and I finally started figuring this thing out, thankfully, before my kids were, were, were too old to where it wouldn't make a difference. And I started figuring some things out with my own schedule because your pastor was a workaholic. And God did some work in my life, and he changed me. And I knew if he could change me, he could change some of you. And so understand what God did in July of 2007 and what he placed on my heart then. It has just as much impact today. God knew that some of you, even then, he knew that some of you would be here today for your hearts and your minds to be reprogrammed. And so this month, we're going to do that. Now, this year is going to look a little different. It's going to look a little different for us during the month of Sabbath. Usually, we would take all of our Wednesday night classes, and we would, we would just take a hiatus on those. We would give any small groups, we would give them a break, and, and we would just come together on Sunday mornings, and then there were a few occasions where we would get together. Our DCC family reunion is always a, a great time where we come back together, but um, things are different this year, obviously, and because we had such an extended break during during uh, our, our COVID-19 stay-at-home order, uh, we did not feel like it was necessary for us to take a break. We did not get to, to have vacation Bible school this year. And it did this pastor's heart some good to realize that some of you actually missed it. And um, it's, it's okay to realize that it's exhausting at times. But, but I saw some of your posts and some of your memories of... of you sharing from vacation Bible schools in the past. And, and it's always a huge outreach for our church. 
And so we might not be as exhausted as a church body as a whole. I, I was telling someone last night that during the stay-at-home order and we were trying to complete this building, um, I, I didn't get the break that some people got. And so I was, I was here every day, every day. And, and so um, I, I, I feel it, but I know that some of you, you were just ready to get out of the house. And so we're not taking the, the break that we would normally take. Of course, ministry is very limited because of, of some of the uh, restrictions that we have right now with, with the coronavirus. But um, I still think the principles are necessary, and there's even some things that we need to be doing at home. So let, we're, we're probably going to focus less this month on um, us corporately, and we're going to focus more on us as individuals and as families. You know, this, this room right here, this is, this is our living room. If you're a guest with us today, this is our living room. This is the living room for Destiny Community Church. It's in this room right here where we get to celebrate with one another. We get to celebrate new life with one another. We get to celebrate accomplishments with one another. We get to grieve with each other right here in this room. It's in this room that we get to know our Heavenly Father even more. And so we have our family gatherings, our family meetings here, and our Father uh, he gets to pour into us, and, and, and we become better children because of the, the conversations that God has with us in this room. And so this is our living room, and today I want you to make yourself at home, because uh, I'm going to, you know, every, every week I get to stand up here for two services, uh, most, most of the time two services, and um, by the end of the day I'm usually tired of standing, and so I like to sit around for the rest of the day, but you get to sit down, and, and now we've got those comfortable chairs that you get to sit in, not the, the blue folding chairs from the Panther Palace. You get to, go ahead, somebody wanted to clap, go ahead, you can. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make myself at home today, since we're in our living room, and, and I get to sit down, and I get to relax a, a little bit right here in, uh, in this setting. So, uh, and let me tell you something, if you have not experienced these couches yet, these are, this is a couch out of our new cafe area, and this is probably one of the most comfortable couches I have ever sat on in my life. I told Mandy, I said, I just, I want this in every room in our house. This is, man, just, just comfortable. So make yourself at home today, because we're all just family here, right? I said we're just family here, right? Amen, amen. And so I want us to, uh, to deal with some family some family stuff, have some family conversation in this room today. You know, my wife, um, my wife is not good in confined space. And when we get on an elevator, if it's a crowded elevator, Mandy really doesn't function really well on a crowded elevator. And, and, and so I do what every good husband should do. And I start crowding her on a crowded elevator, you know, I'll get right up where her, her face is like right up against my chest and I'll just, I'll, I'll back her into a corner on a crowded elevator just so that she'll start feeling claustrophobic. It's horrible, I know, I know. It's the, it's the games that I play with my wife and, and I love it. She hates it, but I love it. Church, God does not abide in the crowded places of our life and specifically God's word will not abide in the crowded places of our lives. He longs for us to create space, living room. He longs for us to create space for him to live in and for his word to abide in us. 
Listen to Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. Matthew 13, 1 through 9, it says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Now listen to this parable that he shares. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears... Let him hear. So Jesus tells this parable and he says, listen, if you have ears, hear what I'm saying. If, if you can hear me, understand what I'm saying. And it's at this moment where his disciples question him about, about his parables. It's a very interesting um, part of scripture for us because they, they, they question him. And for me as a, as a preacher... A preacher who tries to, and don't take this the wrong way, but, but I try to be relevant. I, I have a, a deep hunger for, for the hidden things in God's word. If you know me, I do. But, but I try my best to be relevant, and, and, and I, I want to reach people in very practical ways. And so for Jesus to get questioned in this moment by his disciples, and for them to say, basically, why do you talk about the kingdom of God in parables? Why, why do you do that? Why do you, why do you make it so simplistic that way? Why do, you, why do you teach in parables? For him to be questioned by his disciples, it does this pastor's heart some good because how many of you know sometimes people don't like the way that a pastor shares God's word? And, uh, and we're just subject to it. I mean, if, if, if you sell cars, sometimes people don't like the way that you sell cars. If you sell insurance, people don't like the way that you sell insurance. If you're a doctor, some people don't think you have good bedside manners. And sometimes people might not like the way that a pastor communicates. And in this moment, they don't like the way that their shepherd is communicating. And, and, and they say, why? Why do you do this? Why do you, why do you speak about the, the kingdom of God in such a simplistic way? And... and it, it helps me to understand that you don't always have to complicate the gospel. You see, nobody, nobody loves a good um, Hebrew and Greek exegesis more than I do. But what Jesus understood is that sometimes it's better to talk about God's word and it's, it's better to talk about the kingdom of God in everyday vernacular rather than Koine Greek. And so in this moment, Jesus is speaking very practical, and so he takes his disciples back to the parable so that he can explain it to them a little more in depth. And, and, and here's what he says in Matthew 13, verse 18. He says, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of God and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. That is what was sown along the path. And as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word immediately and receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Now listen to this. He says, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is 
the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears and yields, bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty. Church, our focus verse today is, is verse 22. And I, I want you to pay close attention to what Jesus says here. He says, As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. 58. Today we'll make 59 sermons on the subject of Sabbath. Why do we have to preach this every year? Why do I have to be reminded of the principles of Shabbat? It's because we are so task-driven. We want success so very badly that we often will stop at nothing to get it. And we are harming our families in the process. We hear the word 58 times, 59 counting today. We hear the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word, and this causes no fruit, it causes no harvest. But when the word takes root in good soil and is understood, it bears fruit far beyond one harvest. Parents, listen to me. The time that you set aside for Sabbath, you are setting an example for generations to follow. Your children will put a value on Shabbat. They will put a value. And, and when I say that, I'm not talking about a day of the week. I'm talking about a trust in God. We are not legalistic around here to where we, we believe that Sunday is Sabbath. There's probably more evidence to point to Saturday being Sabbath, if you want to be honest. It's not about a day. It's about a heart. It's about a mindset. It's about trust in God that God can do more in our downtime than we can putting our hand to the plow. And so he says, you work for six days, but then you give me the Sabbath. You set it aside and you let me be your God on that Sabbath. And church, that's what this is about. It's about reprogramming our minds. And so today we get to have a family conversation in this room. And I want to invite a family to come up and join me on stage. Now, everybody in the room just got nervous because you're thinking, oh, I hope it's not me. I hope it's not me. I promise you this is pre-planned, okay? So everybody relax. But I want to invite the Smith family to come up, Craig and Deanna, Trey, Juliana, also known as Juju. Would you welcome my friends, the Smith family up on stage? We're going to practice good social distancing here. There we go. There we go. There we go. So how nervous are you guys right now? Oh, I am. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. This is what you got to look at every Sunday? <laughs> no pressure. It's good that the lights are so bright so you can't actually see their faces. So, yeah, yeah. so how are you guys? You good? <laughs> Yeah? Yeah. So when, when Trey was just a, a little, little boy, 
we started this game where he would come up to me and he would give me five. And there was this one particular day that he, he smoked my hand. I mean, just as, I mean, he just, and I, I blew on my hand like he, like he burnt my hand. And uh, it, it created this game. And so many kids in our church now play this game. So many of you, your kids, they love, and some of you get onto your kids and I'm the one that's instigating the whole thing. I'm, I'm doing it. But now, now he'll give me five. We can't do it on stage today because social distancing. But he'll give me five, and Juju will actually start blowing on my hand to cool my hand down. So, yeah, yeah. So, um, just introduce the family. Tell, tell, me, tell me who's who here. And um, I, I know who you are, but they don't know who you are. So, I'm Craig Smith. This is my son, Trey, Juliana. And my wife, Deanna. Now, how long have you guys been attending DCC? So, June 2009. You don't have to, there you Sorry. go. There June you go. 2009. It was a month after we got married. A month after you got married, June 2009. And um, at the time, tell me, and, and this is going to feel like I'm picking at you a little bit, but, but you've shared this with me, so I think I can. Tell me. Deanna, how connected you were to your work during that time when you first started attending DCC? So, um, at the time I was 25, I was the youngest district manager at Sears Portrait Studio. So I had big shoes to fill, a lot to prove. So I was glued to the phone, um, laptop, I mean I would cook dinner with the laptop on the counter, taking phone calls during dinner because I had to take them. Um, studios would close down around nine o'clock at night, so it was really all day, all night. And it was just normal. I mean, Craig was in retail as well. Uh, so it was, it was just normal to us. We didn't have any kids at the time. Uh, but it spread, obviously, when Trey was born. So, I mean, I would be nursing him to sleep and on the phone, <laughs> which was, you know, really sad now that you think about it. But at the time, it just was normal. Craig, how did you feel during that time um, that your wife was not disconnecting from work? Well, at first, like, like she said before the kids, it was it was normal because I worked retail, so I would come home late, and she'd be on the phone on the phone or a laptop. So I'm not gonna interrupt her work if I'm coming home, and she's she's still working. She worked a position where she sometimes traveled, or she worked from home. So I can't really say, hey, you gotta stop working because that's part of her job and responsibilities. But after having kids, it was still kind of normal at first, but sometimes it was it. It, was, it became frustrating after a while because we didn't have her undivided attention. She was distracted with work all the time. So after a while, it started to get kind of old. So. I'm, I'm sure there's many of you that can relate to that also. And it's probably something that at one time or another, or even right now, it may be plaguing your home. Um, it, it's hard sometimes to dedicate undivided attention to, to your family. Um, now, there's this one particular Wednesday night where you were picking up Trey, and what he was only about a year old or something during... Um, yeah, pushing two. I mean, I was pregnant with yeah. Juliana, so he was close to two. So tell us what happened on this, this Wednesday night. So um, we lived in Gainesville at the time. We actually, and you guys know this, we moved to Newberry because of the church, uh, but we were still living in Gainesville. I was probably about six months pregnant for Juliana, and it was Easter season at the Portrait Studio. I was now working as a manager, so it was a really intense schedule. Um, long days and I was trying to hurry up and get to Trey before my friend had to work she was serving in the nursery and uh, to be honest I didn't want to sit we, we never go to Wednesday night church at that time um, just because it, we were working retail and I just wanted to get him and go home I was tired 
you know, my feet hurt, I was swollen. <laughs> and um, I walked in and I was late, so he was already preaching. And I didn't felt it was rude to pass through the cafeteria <laughs> and uh, go back to the nursery to go pick up Trey. So I decided to kind of hide out at the back of one of the tables. And the topic that, I don't know the exact, it was, I think, be weird. It was something weird. Um, and the whole point of it was, you know, the normal day-to-day -day life is, hey, how you doing? I'm, you know, I'm stressed. I'm overwhelmed. I'm busy. I'm this, I'm that. And it was, the whole point was to be weird and not be busy and not be overwhelmed. And I was just sitting there crying. <laughs> and, um, you know, emotions were there and everything. And so I sat through the whole sermon, and it was after that that we... Um, I think it was about two weeks before we actually moved into our home, and then we started coming on Wednesdays as well. Now, something happened shortly after that where, where God kind of forced you into a Sabbath. Yes. Tell us about it. So this, it was just before Trey's third birthday. Juliana was just nine months old, one year in the house, and I lost my job. So Craig was actually on the way out the door for overtime. <laughs> um, and it was like 10 o'clock at night, and I received the phone call that we're dark that the portrait studio's closed, we went out of business. And I remember him looking at me, he's like, did you just lose your job? And I go, yeah, I, I guess so. So um, we had just spent all our life savings to get into this house. We had really nothing. And um, definitely a scary time, but it was also one of those situations where I sat back and realized like how lost I was, not having the phone, not having the laptop. Um, you know, Elmo watched my kid quite often. <laughs> yeah. And it was definitely eye-opener. And then one thing that came out of that that was really profound for me is, you know, we've always been believers, but I guess we've never really had the opportunity to really put our trust in God. And um, that was a big one for me. So we, funny enough, when I lost my job and we lost half our income, that's when we started tithing. And um, it was one of those things, if I'm going to trust him with this time, I had to trust him with everything and that we'd get through this because losing half our income, like, we were paycheck to paycheck. We we weren't gonna make it. And a couple weeks later, Craig was looking at a coworker's, something came up that he oversaw a paycheck or something. He said, what's that line? And come to find out for the past three years, he was being underpaid because they overlooked his college degree. So they prorated him. And he called me and he's like, you're not gonna believe this, but they owe me $10,000. <laughs> so it, I mean, they taxed it quite well, but we, <laughs> it, um, but it carried us through the time with me not working. I need us to renegotiate our contract, and so, <laughs> praise the Lord. That is, that is amazing. And you know, you touched on it right there. That really is the heart of Sabbath. It's complete and total trust in your Lord, that, that he will provide. Um, and when we talk about making room, making space on our jobs and our occupations, it, it's doing that. It, it's just saying, okay, I'm going to do what I have to. And, and this is the challenge to you, church, throughout this month. I do this every year. The challenge is work the necessary hours that you have to work to keep your job this month. I'm not asking everyone to take off and, you know, to, I'm going to work this, this month, I promise you. But don't put in any overtime if you can help it. Now, if your job requires it, we understand that. But if you can help it, put your trust in him and see what God does during this month of Sabbath because that, that's where he, he wants you to trust him in every aspect of your life with your time, your talent, and your treasure. It's amazing. But a new opportunity came about shortly after that, right? Yes. So um, a coworker from Sears had started off at Mom365, and it's a company that does newborn photography in the hospital. And she called me, and it was a part-time position as a commission photographer. And I'm like, this, it's not going to support my family. And she's like, trust me, just get into it. You never know. 
So I did. And um, it was apprehensive at first, and it was working around Craig's schedule. He worked overnight, so basically he'd wake up, and I'd go to work in the afternoon. And um, definitely part-time, like 15 hours a week, nothing much. But while I was there, um, I started in the hospital. It was August 15th, and by, uh, I think it was September, mid-September, it was just before my birthday, uh, I got a phone call that the district manager was leaving, and my friend had already talked me up and what I was before, and... So the regional director reached out to me, and on October 1st, I got the district manager spot for Mom 365. That's awesome. Yeah. Very quick. <laughs> so, new opportunity, but um, you had to make some changes in how you were going to operate in this new position. Tell us what you did. What were some of the... the um, the, the guidelines that you put in for, for your life and for your, your health and the health of your home? Well, Craig and I talked about it because he was, you know, we had talked a lot about when I lost my job before how, you know, I was sitting on the couch watching TV with a laptop. And so I was there, but not there. So he was really apprehensive about me taking it, but we, know, we knew financially I needed it. Um, so he was very, like, you can't go back to the way you were. You can't do the same old thing. So I decided to go get a separate cell phone for work. So no one at the company knows my cell phone number. Um, so it was, you know, at 5 o'clock at night, the phone went off. And it was put away in a drawer or something like that. The laptop went off. Um, it was very, you know, I even communicated to my team that on Sundays I wouldn't be available. So I put a lead in place. So it turned out to be very intentional this time. To And it was amazing. Uh, so it was... You know, by 5 o'clock I was done, because when you work from home, it's, it's there. I mean, you answer the phone, it's, it's very easy to get drawn in. So it was just putting up those guardrails, and Craig helped with that. And, just, and sometimes he had to remind me, <laughs> your phone's still on. Yeah. So, um, but at least we had that separate to where I could just disconnect. You know, it's something that I said last week, and, and you've heard it many times. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And if you want to let him be the Lord of your life, then you're going to have to put these guardrails, as you call them, in place. And you're going to plan ahead of time. And, uh, man, I commend you on that. Now, um, then you took a true Sabbath vacation. What was that like? So it was... Um, Teach every- me. I'm taking notes right now. I just, I, I want to learn what this is all about. So every time we've ever gone on vacation, obviously I had the phone. So, I mean, you're taking calls. And I would always say, oh, just an hour or two on the email before we go out and do what we had to do. Um, so we went down, we were big Disney, you know, we had the Disney passes and everything, and we went down to Orange Lake, and um, I left the phone and the laptop at home, so because this time around, I had a, a work-specific laptop they gave me, so if I, I always made the excuse that I want my laptop to do my pictures or to edit or something like that, but um, this time, the work laptop, the work phone stayed at home, so I was completely invisible to work. Uh, they couldn't get me if they wanted to. <laughs> And it was just, it was nice. I mean, we both even said it. It was just like, that's what a vacation's supposed to be like. It was true family time. It was uninterrupted. Um, and it was nice just not having a phone to my ear. That's great. But old habits die hard. Mm-hmm. Did you ever find yourself back in that old rut and routine? Every year. <laughs> um, I mean, so I know you mentioned how many times you've preached on Sabbath. And I've needed that every year because... Um, like any job, and I think this goes true with really any profession, it starts out great, and then the workload starts, you know, snowballing, and then you find yourself drowning again, which I found many times, even just recently, and it's always that reminder that, you know, then it got into, instead of turning the phone off, I would just put it on silent, but it never failed. I'd pass by that drawer in the kitchen, and I'd open it up and just check and, you know, make sure things weren't falling apart or 
Uh, my territory had grown. I went from like 12 hospitals to 30. So 28 employees to 76. So turning things off turned very difficult. Um, definitely had to be more intentional. Definitely had to be, it, it, was, it was just harder every year. So every time July came back around, it was that reminder. And I would even tell my staff, like, listen, this is my time to kind of get back to what I need to do. And I even told them my phone was going off this time. If you need something, contact this person or, you know, I'll be available through Saturday, but on Sundays, and it would shut off for the entire day. But it was definitely a reset. This is going to scare some of you with what she's about to share with you, but how did all of that reset recently? COVID-19. <laughs> um, so I've shared before, like, I was definitely overwhelmed. Um, Craig's been wanting me to leave my job for a while now. It was just, but I'm kind of spoiled. I get to work from home. I get to create my own travel schedule. I get to pick the kids up from school on days they need to get picked up. So I liked that aspect, and I loved what I did. Um, but it was just the overwhelming work. So um, I had actually been praying about it. And actually on the way home from uh, the marriage conference, I had laid out a fleece. And the f I'd laid out several fleeces, but finally it was answered. And it was actually for me to leave my job. So Craig and I talked the whole drive home. And I said, I don't feel like it's, you know, go home and give my notice. But I feel like I, we got to start preparing for this. So I laid out another fleece that when I saw this sign that I was going to put in my notice. Well, I saw it, kind of. Um, the kids and I were at, a, at the pool. I had my sunglasses on. I saw this glimpse of a rainbow, but when I took my sunglasses off, it was gone. And it was March 17th, and I told Craig, I said, I don't think I'm supposed to get my notice. I think I'm going to be gone. So on March 25th, I got the phone call that I was furloughed. Wait a second. You, you missed a part. Was that, was that before or after the ride home from the uh, marriage conference? That was at, well, that was after. Was it after? Mm -hmm. The sign on the way home from the marriage conference was to leave. I was waiting for well, my Well, this is back. great. I hope they argue right here. My notice. Then, <laughs> then as one big happy family, we'll get to have some marriage counseling right here. Wouldn't it be great? Wait, the sign you just mentioned, was that the one you saw when we were on the deck uh, in the backyard? Yes. All right, so. Same, it was the same sign. When did you see the sign on the way home from the marriage conference? Before that or after? Before. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. It all gets twisted. There was a lot of fleeces later. They always win, Craig. They always win, man. We are always wrong. You'll learn this, man. That's that's the marriage series. That'll be in February. That at marriage conference. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I know that scares some people in the room. That that you look at that and you you say to yourself, okay, God. God had plans for me to be furloughed so that once again my schedule could slow down and my life could and the trust could be put back in him. And there's no doubt that that's going to happen. And I remember when I first heard that you you were furloughed, you'll remember I called you because I wanted to make sure that you guys were okay and and let me tell you something and and today is not really about making room in your finances. We're going to get to that. But there was never a panic when I called them. It was like God's taking care of us. We're okay. We're going to be all right. And uh, there's just something about putting that trust in him. Now, Craig, your, your Sabbath experience was a little bit different. It wasn't necessarily about, about losing a job, but uh, there's something physically that happened to you. Tell us about that. Uh, 2016, October 2016, I had to do a physical fitness test that we have to do annually and um test went fine run jump 
all this physical fitness stuff you had to do. And went home and took a nap, got up, got ready for work, went to work. Totally fine. About 4 o'clock in the morning, I get off work, 6 o'clock in the morning. This is what I work night shift. About 4 o'clock in the morning, I get out to get gas, to pump gas, to get out my car. And I couldn't walk. Like, I was, I was limping to the point where I felt vulnerable. I, like, I, sh I shouldn't have been at work. Before, when I started my shift, I was totally fine. I don't know what I did. I mean, I went on calls, got in and out of my car, did physical stuff. But that, at that time, when I got out of my car, I could not walk. So the next day, I called my supervisor, hey, I cannot come to work. I have to go to the doctor. I can't walk. Like, I was, I shouldn't have been walking as much as I was, but I couldn't go to work. So long story short, November, the very next month, I ended up having uh, surgery on my knee, and I was out of work for what, six months? Wow. And, and let me be clear on something. When something physically happens to you, I, I believe that that is an attack of the enemy. But we have to understand that God will use circumstances sometimes to slow us down. And the turnaround for you, that, that happened not in, well, the, turn, the turnaround, the, the mentality shift that you had, the mindset change, didn't happen in July during our month of Sabbath. It actually happened during a January, if I'm correct. Tell us about that. That was um, the following January. I So being on night shift, I worked a schedule where every week it was different. So I would be at church every other Sunday, and I'd be at church every other Wednesday. So this was actually my first opportunity to be at church every Sunday and every Wednesday. And I'll back up for a second. Going... Coming to church on January, what was what were we doing Wednesday nights? Consecrate. 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 Yeah. Um, it was life-changing for me. My my job allowed me to see a lot of a lot of the evil in the world, and I don't even think I've seen the worst of it. But I get to see a lot of the bad stuff that other people don't get to see, and you don't realize how much it could actually change you. Um, there were times where my wife would tell me that I'm. I'm a, I was a different person, and I didn't really, I knew I was different, but I didn't know how different I was until we started going to Wednesday nights consecrate, and I don't know, well, I know what it was, but at the time, I didn't know what it was. I would just break down and just become emotional, but I didn't know why. I couldn't figure out why, and I would just feel angry and upset, and I was I was supposed to be trying out for a, a special unit that I wanted to be on, and that opportunity was taken from me, and I just couldn't figure out why God allowed, allowed this to happen to me. And the more I was coming to church every Sunday and every Wednesday now, I was going from being angry to being, I guess, I guess sad because of I, I realized how much my job had changed me, kind of for the worst. And the more I would become emotional at church, it's like, you can actually, I can actually feel like walls coming down. That's the best way I can explain it. I can actually feel walls coming down, and I just found myself wanting to be closer to God and praying and asking him, why did you, why did you allow this to happen? What do you have in store for me? Because according to the doctor, I wasn't supposed to go back to work to be a cop anymore. He said I need to go back and, and work a desk job, maybe as a civilian or something like that. And, that just didn't sit right with me. But the more I came to church, I wasn't, I wasn't angry anymore. 
I was, I was praying more. I was seeking God more. I was, I'm not going to say I'm 100% I was happier, but I wasn't angry. I didn't, I didn't have that anger in me anymore that I didn't realize was there. And spending that time away from work, I, I, him, me getting injured was his way of saying, you need to take a break from work because it's changing you too much in a negative aspect. So you had this uh, missed opportunity that at least you felt like it was a missed opportunity. And, and this, is, this is what all of this culminates to. This is, this is what I want us, uh, us to talk about. This missed opportunity that it was your, your dream job. And um, tell us what happened two years later. So before I go into that, when I came back to work, after coming off a of light duty, I was able to go back to full duty as working night shift being a cop again. And I knew I would change because even I felt like I was different. I wasn't angry anymore when I went to work. My coworkers told me that I was a different person. Um, I actually had, I, I had, I had conversations with my, some of my really close coworkers, you know, about God, trying to bring them to God, which I would have never thought I'd been able to do that. Because they would always ask me, why are you so different? Why are you so different? What's wrong? I just explained to them what I went through. But I went, I went about my job, and every day, like it, was, like it was normal, just feeling like a better person. And there was, there was an opportunity for me to go out for that position that I wanted before I got hurt. And two years later, I was transferred to the K-9 unit, which is what I wanted to do my entire career. So I thought it was a missed opportunity, but he was setting me up and preparing me for a better opportunity just for a better opportunity so. with God delay is never denial okay <laughs> understand that delay does not mean denial praise the Lord alright finally last question here if, if you two could give advice to young couples as it relates to their schedules and, and just the subject of Sabbath um, if you could tell them anything what would you tell them so there was a, I don't remember the sermon name, um, I think it was a Sabbath series, but you said something that really sat well with me, that was that, you know, anybody can be any position, anybody can go to train for anything, but there's two positions that no one can take from me, and that's Craig's wife and Trey and Juliana's mother. And that is something I have to consistently, you know, just kind of remember that, is just no one else can be his wife and their mother, so they have to always come first. Um, I've lost my position, what? We joke, it's like every two to three years I lose a position. What, four or five times now um, since all of this? And um, it's like none of that's ever guaranteed. Um, and I've definitely come to realize that. So I've learned that why am I going to give them all of me when, you know, when sales drop a little bit and they got to make cutbacks? It's just numbers. I mean, it's nothing personal. And it, I, it took a long time to learn that. Um, but it's, that's the biggest advice is just they're always going to be there no matter what job comes my way, whether I'm unemployed, whether I'm working part-time, full-time, they'll, they'll always be there. So I have to always keep them on that pedestal. Greg, you good? Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much for sharing your story. Uh, this is a story I've been wanting this church to hear for a while, and uh, it speaks volumes. Uh, and thank you for continuing to to learn, to grow, and to put your trust 
in Christ. He's got you. He's got you. And in this new season that you're walking into, I know, I know he's got plans for you. So there's one other thing that I, I wanted us to do, and um, I'm not springing this on them before service. I did, I did mention this. Um, we live in, in a world right now that um, it's, it's just so uncertain. And um, Craig, as I told him in my office, I said, Craig, you're a, you're a black man. And I said, I didn't know if you knew that or not, but <laughs> you're a black man. And he's also in law enforcement. And I feel, yeah. I feel like sometimes someone in your position would probably feel like it's a double whammy, man. Like you're getting, getting hit from both sides here. And man, I want you to know how much we love you, first of all. I love you as a brother in Christ. I love you as a black man. And I love you as a law enforcement officer. And um, I, know, I know that sometimes uh, in every, every aspect of our lives, there's people out there that, that give us a bad name. But man, you are one of the most respectable people that I've ever met in my life. And I love you. And I want you to know this church family, we are praying for you. You stay safe, man. You stay safe. Amen. Thank you. I guess after a conversation like that, social distancing just kind of goes out the window, right? <laughs> Keep praying for him. Keep praying for that family. It took a lot of guts for them to get up and, and to say what they just did, and, and, and I appreciate that. And here's what happens, church. Our jobs, our occupations, they become cluttered. Um, expectations that we have, desires that we have, and, and those aren't always bad things. I believe that God has given us desires in our hearts, but um, when those desires become more important than, than saying, I'm going to slow down and I'm going to honor God with what's happening in my life and I'm going to trust him, and, and we, we will lose our jobs, we'll lose our families, we'll, we'll lose the things that matter the most to us if we don't learn to truly Shabbat to practice Sabbath in our lives. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.